Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. This is the second week of our Contacts series. What we're trying to do is introduce you to more attributes, more character traits, more titles, and more names of God found in Scripture. Uh, I love it. What I heard, I heard one of the, the young folks that come to our church actually uh, look some of the things up online. I, I made a statement that there are over 950 titles and names of God in Scripture. There are resources out there, websites out there that will actually list them out, the original language uh, into English, and then I think it even has a brief definition of them. We're not going to go over all 950 of them. We're going to go over, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. But what we want to do is is bring God into a fuller, bring us into a fuller context of understanding who God is. If we have a distorted view of who God is, we're going to have a distorted relationship with him. Does this make sense? If we only look at him through very small lenses of just a few attributes and just a few character traits that we've heard about him before, and we don't ever look in the word ourselves, we don't ever dig deeper ourselves, we don't ever learn more of who he is, then we'll have a very slanted view of who our God is. So the more we get into his word, the more we understand how God was titled, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was titled and named throughout scripture, it broadens so far our ability to come to him. So when we face a problem, an issue, a challenge, whatever it is in life, we know, oh, God's got this, God has this, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, and we start to see God instead of our problems. So that's what we're trying to do is that we're trying to broaden our scope by learning more of his attributes, more of his title, more of his name. Last week, we talked about Jesus. One of his titles was the resurrection and the life. We have good news. He's still out of the grave, right? Amen. He's still alive. He's still doing well, and he will be forevermore. This week, what I want to talk about is the Lord is peace. I want to talk about that aspect of peace. I started asking the Lord, there's 950 of these things, okay? So it's really hard to like narrow down in your own mind where you're going with. So I asked the Lord, like, we just talked about this. Where am I supposed to go? Ask this. What does our local church body need? And very easily, he whispered, peace. Peace. If you look at statistics, this country is at an all-time high of taking medication for anxiety, depression, stress, and so on. You see the number one major thing on assessments and uh, feedback that people get, whether they're going into marriage or whether they're already married or whether they're going into a new job, going into college, it's stress. They're undone because of a situation in their life. So I feel like the Lord's going to speak to people. The Lord will bring deliverance to people that will actually be able to walk out of here. Maybe not with everything in life perfect, but knowing that the Lord is our peace. So this comes from two Hebrew words, which we're going to talk about, Yahweh and Shalom. Can you say Yahweh? Yahweh. Say Shalom. Shalom. All right, it comes from one simple verse in the Old Testament. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. It comes from Judges 6.24, which we're going to talk about uh, the prior context in just a few minutes. It says, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Can you say that? The Lord is peace is peace. So this, this title, it's not a formal name of God. It's a title that Gideon, this man named Gideon in the Old Testament, gave to the Lord uh, when he built an altar to him. So he built an altar. He was going to make a sacrifice, make an offering for the Lord. And he called that place, the Lord is peace. 
So this first word, the Lord, Lord, is the word Yahweh. Go ahead and say Yahweh. Yahweh occurs more than 6,800 times in the Old Testament. It is the sacred personal name for God. Say Yahweh again. That word, that title, that name for God stands for the self-existent, eternal God. That's why you see it throughout the Old Testament. It's the name that God gave himself to Moses. That's how he revealed himself to Moses. The self-existent, eternal God. What this specific name of God focuses on is his covenant promises with his people who are the people of Israel. He is Yahweh only to people who have a personal relationship with him. The name Yahweh is used throughout the Old Testament in conjunction with other Hebrew words that tells, that explains the fuller uh, context of who he is. So it's the Lord, our peace, the Lord who heals, the Lord, our provider, the Lord is our banner. A lot of those start with Yahweh. The name Yahweh was only spoken by the priests who were in the temple while they worshiped God. It was such a sacred name that the common people would not even pronounce it. You'll see it too if you follow, uh, you'll follow Messianic Jews, Jews who are born again following Jesus. Uh, they'll leave out the consonants, they'll write it in a certain way where they do not write out that entire name. Now, some of you, if you've ever studied these names before, maybe you've, you've read that as Jehovah. Like, oh, that's, it was Jehovah Shalom is how I've seen it. Jehovah is just another transliteration. It's just another way to translate that word Yahweh, depending upon where your culture was, where you came from, if you pronounce the J and so on. I'll leave that there. If you look in the original language, it's Yahweh. Let's go to Shalom. Say Shalom. shalom. So Shalom, what we know this as, just looking at the word, it's a common greeting or farewell of the people of Israel. So they would say Shalom like we would say hello or goodbye. But when you actually look at the depth of this word, it goes far beyond us saying hello or goodbye. Even for us to say, be blessed or be, be at peace, or you know, other, some, some churches will, will meet and say, peace be with you, and so on, is we don't, we don't understand the depth of this word. Again, sometimes we can fly through verses and we see the word peace. Oh yeah, it means what we mean. And then we just continue to go on not understanding. See, in the English word, that word peace means the absence of war or it means the absence of conflict in our life. So what happens though, if we take that translation of the word peace, then what we're saying is the only way that we can have peace is if nothing bad is happening on the outside. So if somebody makes a bad decision, then we can't be at peace. If we had all the red lights on the way to the mall, we can't be at peace. If we're in an argument with somebody in our family, we can't be at peace. Does this make sense? And the English word of peace is, oh, the country's at peace. That means nobody's coming in to fight, for, you know, to, to fight against us. But in this Hebrew word, the majority, in fact, all of it but one, one small portion, is all about what's happening on the inside of us. See, what happens if we just use that definition, we, the English definition, we can become so distorted in how we're actually approaching the peace that we have with God. The fact of the matter is this. We were actually, our soul was never designed by God to lose its peace when external problems happen. So like, I am so not preaching from like a lifetime of experience in this. I'm learning with you as I'm studying this out. Like some things you can preach like with authority. I've been this, I've been living this for 20 years, whatever. I'm learning this. I started thinking about this. We've actually trained 
our souls to respond in a negative way to external problems. And our soul was never designed by God to be controlled or determined by outside circumstances. So what do we do? Something bad happens. We think about it. We quickly rush to the worst conclusions. And within seconds, we have a knot in our stomach, we're sweating, or we have a headache. Is this not true? We've actually trained, without even knowing it, we've trained our body and our, or we've trained our soul to respond immediately to the thoughts that are coming into our brain. And then our soul has told our body to interact with what we're listening to in negative ways. So much so that we would think this is the normal way of life. I just have another stomachache. I just have another headache. That's not the way God designed this. If he is our Lord and he is peace, then every time we interact with him, we should be coming into a greater level of peace. So think about it. News comes into your mind. You immediately uh, uh, translate that as good or bad. If it is bad, we begin to this, 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 this. All these things could start happening, which then that takes our soul to a place of unrest and then it has negative consequences. Looking at some medical resources and research, stress can stress can be the cause, stress, not at peace, can be the cause of over 80% of illnesses and diseases out there. I'm not against, uh, listen, we have, we have very good doctors and nurses here. I honor the medical community. I honor the Lord for allowing him to allow people to produce medicines and ways to help people. However, what we're doing at times is we're masking an issue with our soul by just taking something uh, because of our body. Does that make sense? Continue to work with your doctor. Continue to take your medication. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Continue to get that care. But ask the Lord, is there somewhere in my soul that's out of line, that's not in peace? And then as he brings you to a place of peace, you might just start to find your body recovering in a miraculous way. So medical professionals, when you're in a stress, stressful situation, when you've allowed an external situation to determine your internal reality for a short period of time, headache, fatigue, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, upset stomach, and irritability. If you allow your soul to be at unrest, to a place of not having peace for a long period of time, depression, high blood pressure, abnormal heartbeat, hardening of the arteries, heart disease, heart attack, heartburn, upset, upset stomach, weight gain, or too much loss, fertility problems, asthma, arthritis, skin problems such as acne, eczema, and psoriasis. I'm not saying that if you have one of these, it's because you're stressed. I'm saying that medical professionals, non-believers, are even admitting that if your soul remains in a place of unrest for a long enough period of time, these can happen. So if we think of all of the negative things that the devil wants to do in your life just to get your body out of a place of peace, think of all of the positive things that can happen if you actually live in the way that God designed you, right? At peace with the Lord is peace. Yahweh Shalom. Check this definition out. The word is not up there. I saw some of you like, oh. Shalom, the the full definition of this, looking at several resources, includes the idea of not just peace, but completeness, prosperity, success, welfare, wellness, health, fulfillment, friendliness, satisfaction, safety, blessing, deliverance, and even salvation. Come on! 
We say, be blessed, be at peace, goodbye, hello. When a Jewish person walks up and says, shalom, when you're experiencing the shalom peace of God, it's not just that all of my problems go away. In fact, your problems might continue to increase and they don't, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the issue here. They're not saying, may all of the bad people leave your life. No, they're saying internally, inside your very own soul, may you have completeness, prosperity, success, welfare, wellness, health, fulfillment, friendliness, satisfaction, safety, blessing, deliverance, and even salvation. Come on. Like, I'm like, all right, those who translated the Bible, could you have given us a little bit of help with that? The Lord is peace. Okay, that means all our problems go away. No, there's so much more to this word. So what this is, when you actually receive the peace of God, when you learn how to walk in peace, it means you're in harmony first and foremost with God. You're in harmony with yourself and you're also in harmony with other people. Now listen, there's, a, there's the possibility is, is even when somebody else is not in harmony with you, you can be in harmony with them because your heart is positioned right toward them. That's how we remain in peace when other people are treating us like a jerk. Does this make sense? So it's actually possible to be in harmony with God, with yourself, and with other people and experience this shalom peace of God. It's talking about our inward state. I, want to show, I just want to pause for one second. I want to show you how you can do this at home. Uh, if you want to pull up that, that next slide there, MC. If you just want to write these down real quick, I'll have, uh, Leslie, if you want to remind me, if you're in the room, remind me to just attach this to this week's email coming up too. So if you don't want to write it down, if you go to, there's several resources out there, but if you would go to a website like studylight.org, you go to it, the main page comes up. Number two, there's just a Bible verse. If you actually plugged in the, the verse that we were talking about from Judges 624 today, right in there. Uh, if you go, yep, stay on that side, 624 is up there. Down at the bottom, you might not be able to see it, but it's something that says Strong's Interlinear Bible. So if you go to studylight.org, then you plug in the, uh, the verse. When the verse comes up, you would just, if you write down the word Strong's, you just click on that verse. Go to the next slide. Then up at the top, the verse will come up. Judges 6.24. This came up in a different translation that I was studying. Well, actually, this is a very good translation to study the New uh, American Standard Bible. It says, then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. I clicked on the word peace, a number four, and then up pops number five, all of this original language information. They give you the Brown Driver Briggs definition and the Strong's definition, and you'll start to see the things, completeness, safety, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, even some words I didn't mention today. So you don't need to have the official binder and stand in front of people to do this. It's all free right there. So when you're reading through things and you're studying, this doesn't take long. Like you could find it within 45 seconds. But it used to take hours for theologians to find. You could find it extremely fast. So let's go back to Judges 6.24. Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. Like I said last week, the, the Lord is not just one who brings resurrection and who brings life. He, in his very being, is resurrection and is life. So the same holds true here. Yahweh Shalom is not the Lord who just hands out peace in stressful situations. He's not the reason why it's just possible. It is him. His very nature is peace. 
His attribute is peace. A characteristic of him is peace. So anytime you interact with Yahweh, the Lord, the self-existent God, anytime you interact with him in a greater way, we should be walking out of there with greater peace. Now, if you are only going to him as your provider and your healer, let's say those are the only two attributes you go to. I need to pay my bills. I need my body healed. You could walk out of there thinking, yeah, he's probably going to cover my bills and he might heal my body, but I'm still at unrest about this. Does this make sense? Because you're going to him for two attributes, but you're not seeing in the middle where he is the Lord is peace. So not only is he going to provide for you, touch your body, but you can actually be at peace until you see that come to pass. How many times? Over and over and over and over and over again. You don't feel like you were going to have enough money to cover your month. But then you worried about it all the way till the end of the month. He provided once again. It happens the next month. And you worry about it again. We allow our soul to be at a place of unrest because we're not going to Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. If it's not just something he's giving out and it's who he is, then we don't have to search for this ambiguous force that's just floating out there. We just have to encounter God once again. We have to get to know him a little bit better. With this in view, every time I get closer to you, I get closer to being at peace in my soul. I just have to get closer to God. Now, there's no formula. You like this? I don't have a special way to pray. I don't have 10 verses for you to look up. There's verses in here that teach you, obviously, principles of peace, but we're not searching for another principle. We're searching to get closer to the Lord is peace. So let's unpack Gideon quickly. In Judges chapter 6, all the way at verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the sight and the eyes of the Lord. So for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So the Israelite Gideon was a part of the Israel, Israeli nation. These were the people of God. They continued to disobey God. They stopped calling on the name of God. And because of that, there was a time of punishment happening. There was a time of discipline. So was Israel in a time of peace right now? No. It says for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So the Lord was bringing them through a discipline in order to bring them to a place of peace. In fact, they would face 40 years of peace following this situation. But the Lord first was coming. He's about to visit Gideon in a time of war, in a time where they were afraid. In verse 2, it says, because of the power of the Midian, of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts caves, and strongholds. So the Midians would come into Israel. They would destroy their crops as soon as they were uh, growing up. They would kill their livestock. So what happens is they were hiding now. All right, so you could, you could probably grasp at least a little bit what was happening in their souls, the people of Israel. They're hiding in the caves. They're not out in the open. They're just trying to make it by. And the Midians just keep attacking, attacking. So they finally figure it out. They're not going to win. And the Israelites begin to call upon the Lord again. Down in verse 11, we're going to see how an angel visits Gideon and what transpires after that. It says, The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite, where, the son, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, Gideon is scared. 
What you're supposed to do is thresh wheat out in the open. So when you're threshing it and you're working with it, all the chaff, all the unusable part can be blown away by the wind. When you're crushing grapes in a wine press, you don't do that on top of a mountain. You don't do that in an open place. It's in a secluded place. So you can control the environment, humidity, all that kind of stuff. So what we see here is, is Gideon was actually operating, do, uh, uh, threshing this wheat that should have been out in the open, and he was hiding because he was scared. So he's doing it in a wine press so the Midians don't come, steal it, hurt them, kill them, do all those things. So it says in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Yeah, I laughed when I read that too. Like I've been laughing at that verse for years and years. Like it's just like the Lord to take a situation where you feel like you've completely lost. Your, I mean, think of the shame that he's dealing with. Instead of being on the top of a mountain threshing this wheat, he's down here doing this in a wine press. An angel of God shows up supernaturally and says, the Lord is with you. You're a mighty warrior. What was God doing? Through an angel, he was speaking to his God-given potential, not where he currently was. God will do that to you. So you come to a place of peace and actually it causes unrest in us because we don't believe him. Did you ever have this happen where God would speak through somebody else? They don't have to be an angel. God will speak through somebody else and say, you know what, I see this in you. I really appreciate this. And you know you do such a great job and you actually reject it because you don't believe it yourself. Or if God shows you something in scripture of what could be in your life, it actually creates more turmoil because you don't actually believe it's possible. And what it should do is speak to the destiny that God has for you. It should build faith and say, wow, if God was willing to use another person to encourage me, if God was willing to unpack this one verse, if God was willing to show up in angelic form to say this, it must be true. It must be possible because God is with me. Are you with me? So he's sitting there hiding and God's calling out that he's a mighty warrior. So he says in verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders uh, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the land of Midian. So the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Again, he's prophesying of what Gideon could have if he would just have peace in his soul. Because Gideon's hiding. He says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says it again, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. So what's happening here? Gideon is using all of the labels that his family has placed on itself and that they, they've let others place on them. So he's like, okay, I'll admit that you're with me at least, that you're giving me an assignment, but how in the world is it gonna be me? I'm not only in the weakest clan, but I'm the weakest one in the weakest clan. And God's calling him out. He's saying, you're a mighty warrior. I'm sending you to actually save an entire nation. And he's saying, I'm not just the weakest, like in this area, I'm the weakest person in the weakest clan. And God still knows that he's able to do this to Gideon's life. So the Lord answers, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So something starts to click now in Gideon's life. And he's, so he asks the angel to prove that the Lord will be with him. He offers a sacrifice. The angel of the Lord burns up the sacrifice. All the way down in 23, Gideon now knows he has seen an angel. 
So first, he's in the wine press, afraid of dying. In transition, God's calling him a mighty warrior. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. My presence is going to be here. You're going to save an entire nation. And now he realizes it was really an angel, and now he's afraid of, a di- he's afraid of, afraid of dying again because of the angel. And now the Lord says to him, the angel leaves, and now the Lord's presence is there. And the Lord says to him, peace. Say that. Say peace. He would have said here, shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. God is not just saying, hey, buddy, chill out. Relax a little bit. You know what the Lord, Yahweh's saying to get in here? Have completeness, prosperity, success, welfare, wellness, health, fulfillment, friendliness, satisfaction, safety, blessing, deliverance, and even salvation. For I'm with you, you're not going to die. Isn't that cool? So in context, if, he, if, if Gideon understood that one portion of the word shalom to be deliverance, he is now realizing, wait a minute, I have to be at a place of peace for the Lord to actually bring this entire nation to a place of peace. Isn't that cool? The Lord works through one person first to bring peace to an entire nation. So think about that in your life. Maybe the Lord wants you to have peace, not just to benefit yourself, but maybe he wants your family and your house to be at a greater level of peace than ever before, but he's first calling you to be at peace. Maybe he wants your workplace that has gossip and backbiting and division to be at a place of rest and peace, and he's actually willing to use you, a mighty warrior for him, but he needs you to be at a place of peace First, students, they might ne- the school might never be void of conflict and chaos, but maybe he wants to bring peace to the people who you interact with. So he's saying, I need you to be at peace first. And then everywhere you go, as you advance his kingdom, you will bring the peace of God with you. This is what Gideon did. So say this with me. Say, the Lord is my peace. I am not going to die. Say, the Lord is my peace. I am not going to die. You might not think that you've ever thought those thoughts before. But if you think about some of the most difficult situations in your life, it may have creeped in. I would probably just be better off dead. My family would be better off without me. Can you feel tension rising in the room right now? Like, let's just admit that we've allowed the enemy to speak those lies into our life at times. And instead of saying, wait a minute, the Lord is peace. Come on, I'm serving Yahweh Shalom. We think about all the junk that's going around and we think, man, this would just all be better if I wasn't here. You know, that, that's what opens up the door to whispers of suicide, right? Where then your soul can actually be influenced demonically. Now you start thinking, wow, I should just flip my car off the road. Is it getting real enough for you? It can go to that far of an extent if you don't learn how to bring your soul back to a place of peace. I'm not done yet. Let's just close our eyes in this moment. Father, I just pray right now, if there is anyone in here struggling with thoughts of suicide, or thoughts that life, this world would be better without them, 
or that their family would be better without them, or if they just weren't here anymore, uh, they wouldn't have to face these problems. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would break those lies of the enemy off of their life. I pray that you would remind us that, God, you were perfectly fine before we were ever born. You were fine. You didn't need us. And yet you chose for each person in this room to be born. And if you chose for us to be born, then you have a purpose for each one of us and you have a destiny for each one of us. And that destiny is not suicide. It's not dying early. It's not getting in some accident so life would just be better for everybody else. You have called us to have life and life more abundantly. So because of that today, we receive Yahweh Shalom. We receive the Lord is peace. We don't just receive peace. We receive the Lord is peace into our life in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what we have to do. We want to practice the presence of God. This is how, this is how we gain peace. It's practicing the presence of God. It's not trying to, to pull one of those fruits of the Spirit off of the tree and then just have it for a day. It's practicing His presence so in the midst of conflict, we can have inner peace. I was thinking about this. This is the only way that a, ch- like a young child can stay at peace during a difficult time. Like if they're in a scary place, if, if, you're, if you're a family and you're walking down a city road or something and it's dark, there's nothing that a parent can do to take the bad, the external bad thing out. But the one thing a child will do to feel safe is what? They'll latch on to daddy's arms or they'll jump up into mom's arms. Latch on to dad's leg or jump up into mom's arms. And even if a lot of scary stuff is happening on the outside, if mom or dad can just bring them a little closer, if they can squeeze on just a little bit tighter, you know what happens? That child comes to a place of peace. Okay, I'm safe now. That's what this is. We're latching on to daddy's leg a little bit tighter. We're jumping up into Father God's lap a little bit closer. We're squeezing him a little bit tighter, and we're asking him to squeeze us a little bit tighter until our soul comes to a place of peace. We open our eyes. Yep, the problem's still there. Okay, I'm going to spend a little bit more time with you. Yep, still there. I'm just going to keep telling right? Until we feel empowered to go out and start changing the atmospheres and the environments in which God's placed us in. I want to show you a New Testament comparison to this shortly, and then we'll close. Band, you can make your way up. We're one week out from Easter. Jesus would have still been on the earth one week after. But what I want to do is revisit the evening that he was resurrected and the comparisons to Gideon in this. Hopefully you can pull this into the New Testament and pull this into your life. In John chapter 20, starting uh, verse 19, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What is happening in these verses? What's happening? They're afraid, right? And they're hiding, just like Gideon. Who are they hiding from? Their enemies, just like Gideon. They feel like they've lost. They feel like they're not empowered. They feel like there's no way we can move on. We're feeling very weak right now, just like Gideon. So what does Jesus do? He shows up supernaturally. Hey, folks, listen, the door is locked, and it says Jesus just appears, which means his body is no more confined to the natural laws of man. He supernaturally appears, just like the angel did in front of Gideon. 
And what happens is he starts to speak and release peace, just like the angel did or just like the Lord did in front of Gideon. So they still don't believe. So then Jesus says, listen, I'm going to show you my sides. I'm going to show you my hands. I'm going to show you these wounds that are on my side. Just like the angel of the Lord showed Gideon a supernatural evidence that he was present with him, Jesus did the same exact thing. And then he says, peace be with you. So as my Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he releases the Holy Spirit on them. What was the Lord doing with Gideon? He's saying, I'm going to be with you. The only reason why you can go out and save all of Israel and destroy all of the Midianites is because I'm with you. I'm with you. It was that one reality that brought Gideon to understanding, I can live in peace. I can move on in peace because you are going to be with me. Now, these disciples know, listen, Jesus is not hanging out with us forever. So what does Jesus do? He unpacks a truth. He says, listen, the Father has sent me And y'all know I've been with the Father my entire life. And I've completed this assignment. So just as he sent me, now I'm sending you. And they're probably thinking, wait a minute, but you're not gonna be with us. How can I be at peace? These people hate me. They're gonna kill me, right? In fact, they died. some of them died very violent deaths. So they're still nervous. And he says, peace be with you. (sighs) Receive the Holy Spirit. And now they have the reality because Jesus already taught about the Holy Spirit. Now they have the reality, wait a minute. I have the Spirit of God inside of me to be with me so I can actually do what you're calling me to do. Gideon was called to save Israel, peace for 40 years. They were sent with a little bit different assignment, kind of like save the entire world. Make disciples of all nations, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, training them to do the same very thing. It's amazing when you think about it. Time and time again, we'll get in a place of of, of being afraid, locking ourselves in our room, and God will show up and he'll speak peace to you and it reminds you the only way this peace is possible is if you understand my presence is with you. Why don't you stand at this time? If you could just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. We're gonna close with a song in just a moment. I just want to give the the, the opportunity for anyone in this room that does not believe that they have that initial peace with God. Like they never feel like, they've never felt like they've come to terms with their own eternity and they've said, God, I need you. I actually need your presence in my life as my God, as my Lord and my Savior. So if you're in this room today and you actually don't think you've ever stepped across that line from being at war with God because of your sin and rebellion, to then stepping over that line to say, I want to be at peace with you. And to do that, I'm receiving Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. If you've never done that before, or if you feel like you've been at peace with God before, but you've just walked your own way, you've walked your own path, maybe you've gotten into things you shouldn't have over your life, and you just wanna come back into his arms, you wanna squeeze onto his leg just a little bit tighter today. If either of those situations are you today, I just want you to look up up at me. I want you to raise your hand so I can acknowledge you. We want to be able to help you after I see that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Another hand over here. Thank you. Anyone else that that you either want that peace with God for the very first time or you want to come back? Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. All right, this is what we're going to do. I believe two people at least raised their hand. That adds on to what the seven or eight that raised their hands last week uh, during second service. What I want you guys to do is join in with me. If you raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's just a confession of what's already in your heart. And then I want you to come forward when we're done singing this last song so we can help you take your next steps with Jesus. Just pray this with me today, folks. God, today I confess that I have sinned against you and that I need a savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and that he was raised from the dead so that I could have new life. I choose to die to my sinful and selfish ways and follow Jesus as he transforms me into God's image that I was created for. I now surrender my life to Jesus, making him my Lord. And I receive Jesus as my savior. I believe I am now a child of God, a new creation, born again spiritually into the eternal kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, Scripture says that in the presence of angels, there's rejoicing when one sinner repents and turns back to God. So let's join the angels today. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, God. We rejoice, Father, in you changing lives and changing hearts. We thank you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. We're going to close with this song, and then I would encourage those two that raised their hand to come forward. Some of you might sing this song as a current reality. Some of you might sing it as, hey, I'm stepping into this today. Some of you might be declaring this over your life and you know that you're still in process. In either way, sing this with your heart and believe Yahweh Shalom is gonna show up in a mighty way. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.